And our scripture reading for this afternoon comes to us from the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10 and 11, beginning at verse 14 in chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, beginning at verse 14, and we'll read through chapter 11. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except unless they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good, of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars and I alone am left and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow their neck, bow down their back always. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now if their fall is riches for the world, and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry if by any means I may, may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. 
For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. Because of unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God. On those who fell, severity, but toward you, goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, who are natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written, The Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gift and the calling of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them to all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. As far as our scripture reading for this afternoon, in a connection with that, we also would like to read from the Catechism. You can find in the back of your Psalter, the Lord's Day 7, and page 34. I will only read question 20 and 21. And we'll only consider uh, question 20 this evening in our sermon. So question 20 on Lord's Day 7 asks, Are all men then as they perished in Adam and saved by Christ? And the answer is no. Only those who are engrafted into him and receive all his benefits by a true faith. And question 21 asks, What is true faith? And the answer is, true faith is not only a certain knowledge, whereby I hold for truth all that God has revealed to us in his word, 
but also an assured confidence, which the Holy Ghost works by the gospel in my heart, that not only to others, but to me also, remission of sins, everlasting righteousness and salvation are freely given by God, merely of grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. Dear congregation, in Romans 11, verse 20, we read that because of unbelief, they, that was the Israelites, were broken off. And you, that's the Gentiles, stand by faith. So Paul says, do not be haughty, do not be proud, but, but fear. Because he says you also can be broken off. Last week, we looked at how all of the Old Testament directs us to Christ, who would be born as that seed of the woman. He would come to deliver his people. And there, beginning at Genesis 3, with the first promise of the gospel, all the way to the last book in Malachi, the last promises of the Old Testament, the scriptures unfold for us who that Messiah will be, what he'll be like, what he will do. And then in the New Testament, we hear that long-awaited announcement made in Matthew 1, verse 21, where it says, And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall, call, for he shall save his people from their sins. Is there an echo in the mic? Getting a bit of feedback. So the Lord Jesus Christ is declared to be the, the mediator and the, the Savior, the deliverer of sinners. And then we have this question that we read in the Catechism. And it says, that, then are all men then, as they are perished in Adam, because we believe that all people born in this world are perished in Adam, fallen in sin, fallen away from God. And so they said, are all men then, as they are perishing, Adam, also saved by Christ? In other words, will everybody in this world now be saved and go to heaven? That is how some people think. And even if they don't say they think that, many people live that way. That they think it doesn't matter how they live, in the end they'll be saved. But Christ did come as a deliverer. He did defeat Satan and crush his head. He did turn away God's wrath when he paid for sin on the cross. And so does that mean since he crushed Satan, since he paid for sin, is that, will everyone be saved? But the answer that the catechism lays out is no. But only those who are engrafted into him, into Christ, and receive all his benefits by a true faith. If you look back at what the Catechism has been leading us through the doctrines of Scripture, it's been showing us our sin. It's been showing us our, our misery. And th this is not just theoretical. This is not just something that we learn about in a book. But this is what we experience in our hearts. The misery of sin, our guilt. And then the question of our hearts is, when we see that, is how can I be saved? Or how do I know that I am saved? Remember, all the way back in Lord's Day 1, it asked us, what do we need to know 
so that we can live and die happily. Well, there it said we need to know our misery. And we need to know how we can be delivered from that misery by the Lord Jesus Christ. And then how we are to live a life of gratitude and thankfulness for that deliverance. And so therefore that deliverance from our misery and sin must be real. It must be a reality in our lives, something that we know experientially. And so now here in Lord's Day 7, it begins to make that connection. The Savior has been declared. Who is that Savior who has come to save sinners? It's Christ. But now also He must become my Savior. Just because Christ is the Savior doesn't mean He is my Savior. And so Lord's Day 7 begins to speak about faith. Saving faith. We are saved only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here the catechism begins in the next number of Lord's Days to explain what faith is. What it is that we believe. We confess together the 12 articles of faith. What is that? What does that mean for us? And so today our focus will only be on this question 20, as I mentioned, on the need for faith. And our theme is faith in the mediator. Faith in the mediator. We'll have three main thoughts. And the first is the need for true faith. Our need for true faith. Here in Romans, Paul was teaching the Romans that they, the Gentiles, were grafted into the visible church. The Jews were the Old Testament church. They were the people of God. The Messiah was born from the Jewish line, from the line of David. But when Christ was born in Bethlehem, and when he grew up and began preaching, the Jews rejected him as their Messiah. They killed him. They hung him on the cross. The New Testament church, when Christ came, would include the people from from every tribe and nation, no longer just the nation of, of Israel. Isaiah even prophesied this. He said that Christ would be the light to the Gentiles and salvation to the ends of the earth. But because the Jews rejected Christ, they were like the branches that were broken off. They were broken off the church. And the church kept going, but they fell off. Christ was the fulfillment of the Old Testament ceremonies. And the temple was no longer needed. And all the sacrifices are no longer needed because that all pointed to who Christ the Messiah would be. And now that Christ had come, it was no longer needed. But Israel did not believe that He was their Messiah. That's why they crucified Him. And still today, they are waiting to rebuild that temple waiting to start up those sacrifices again, waiting for a Messiah to come. And instead of continuing with Christ in the New Testament church, Romans 11 verse 7 says they were blinded. Blinded. And now the Gentiles are like branches that are taken off a wild tree and they're grafted into the visible church. The gospel was preached to the Gentiles, and they were added to the church, Acts says. But as Paul warns us in 11 verse 20, that the Jews are broken off because of unbelief, and we stand by faith. 
We are in the visible church of Christ, but it is by faith alone that you stand. It's not just because you belong to a church that you're saved, but it is by faith in Christ, the mediator, that you are saved. And after Jesus rose from the dead, he told his disciples in Mark 16, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he that does not believe shall be damned. That's a distinction that Christ himself makes. Those who reject him as their mediator, those who do not believe the gospel, those who do not believe the Savior, will be damned. They remain in their sins. They're still under the wrath and condemnation of, and displeasure of God. And that's why the question in the catechism asks that we are only saved by Christ if we are engrafted into Christ by faith. And then you receive all His benefits by faith. And that's why Paul tells the Corinthians also, 2 Corinthians 13, to examine yourselves whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, he says. Or do you not know that, that Jesus Christ is in you unless you are reprobates, unless you are disqualified? That means we only have two options. Either we are in Christ or we are not in Christ. Either we have faith in Christ and we are saved, or we do not have faith in Christ and we're not saved. And if we're not in Christ, we do not have Christ, we have no hope, we have no God in this world, and which means we are still in our misery, that we've not been delivered from our misery, and that we are still under the wrath of God. And there's no middle ground, it's one or the other. And if we do not have faith in Christ, that means we're relying on something else, something else than Christ. And it could be that we're trying to rely on our own wisdom or understanding. For example, if we say we have made a decision years back, we wrote our name on a card, we made a decision and we thought we were saved, but there is no faith in Christ. Or we might be work, relying on our own works of righteousness instead of the only perfect righteousness of Christ, thinking that somehow we can be acceptable in the sight of God. We might be relying on our own efforts, trying to get rid of our sins, try to get rid of our guilt ourselves, instead of seeking it in Christ who has made our sanctification. We might be trying to earn our way back to God, making sure that our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds and hoping that the balance will be right when we meet God in order to just satisfy His justice. Or we might be relying on our church membership, as Paul warns to the people here, where he says, just because you are a member of a church doesn't mean you're saved. You stand by faith alone, or you'll be cut off. It is Christ who must deliver us from our sins. And so why is faith required? Well, that's what the catechism tried to indicate here, that we must be grafted into Christ, and that happens only by faith. It brings us to our second point, a union by true faith. In Romans 11, Paul is speaking of being grafted into the visible church. That's the picture he, he has here. But he's pointing to that deeper meaning of being grafted into Christ, which the Lord Jesus speaks of in, in John 15. 
Paul tells the Romans, he says, you stand by faith, just as everyone here stands by faith. And you are a member of the church because you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is Christ who saves you through faith. Because in the end, if we do not have faith in Christ, we'll be broken off, just like the unbelieving Jews were. And so when he refers to this term of grafting, grafting refers to a practice that many farmers use in in the vineyards or orchards. And I visited a walnut orchard once in California, and I noticed all the trees, the the bottom half was dark, and the top half was light. And I asked them what what that was, and they said, well, the, the, the one tree has better roots. It's more resilient to disease. It's it's has better resistance to pests. But the top tree is the type of nuts they wanted to grow. So when a tree is young, they, they cut the bottom off the one, and they cut the top off the other, and they, they put them together. That's called grafting, and they grow together into one tree. You always see the, the knot there, the, the place where it has grown together. And so you have a tree with good roots, a strong tree, and you have a tree that produces the right type of nuts, And so you have a good harvest. You have a fruitful tree. And so God says we all need to be grafted into the Lord Jesus. And in John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and you are the branches. We learn that we're all sinful by nature, that we can only produce bad fruits. That's what Galatians 5 says. We produce evil fruits. And so we all need to be cut off like a branch. We all need to be grafted into the Lord Jesus Christ, that good root. And so Paul says in Romans 11, verse 24, that the Gentiles were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, or grafted contrary to nature, against nature, into the good olive tree. And when that happens, that new branch, it it begins to receive the sap from the good root, And then it also begins to produce abundant fruit. And you and I are the branches. And we are the branches that must bear fruit in our lives. And Christ says if we want to bear fruit, we must abide in Christ by faith. Our life and our fruitfulness can only come from Christ, who is the good vine. But the fruits must grow on the branches, which is our lives. We must produce fruit. And that branch can only stay alive. It can only bear fruit when it's in that tree, when it's grafted into that tree. If we fall off, we cut off, we we die. Or maybe you ask, well, how do you do that? How do you graft yourself into Christ? Well, that grafting occurs by faith, that the Holy Spirit works in us and strengthens us. Romans 10, verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And we see an example of that in Acts 16, where we saw Lydia, where she's sitting by the riverside as Paul is preaching. And it says, As Paul was preaching, the Lord opened her heart and she, so that she heeded the things that Paul was saying. Paul was preaching, and she believed what Paul said by the, and the whole, when the Holy Spirit opened her her heart. So faith believes what the Bible says. 
It believes that we can only produce bad fruit ourselves, that we are in misery and sin, fallen in Adam, that we need to be cut off completely, that we need to be grafted into Christ alone. And so faith causes us to look outside of ourselves for any hope of salvation. You know, there's no way for a branch to improve itself. There's no way a branch can jump from one tree to another by itself. There's no way a branch can, that's fallen on the ground can put itself back on another tree. It's completely dependent on the farmer. And Jesus says, my father is the vine dresser. But faith believes in Christ the Savior that we cannot live without him. It surrenders to God to be delivered from our evil state. And so the believer then is like that branch. It can't live apart from that root anymore, entirely dependent on Christ. We cannot live apart from Him, and we certainly cannot bear any fruit apart from Him. John 15, verse 5 says, He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And Paul also wrote in in Galatians 2.20 that Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. His life was by faith in Christ. And that's what we all need, to have life by faith in Christ. Maybe you say, well, how do we know if we have that? Well, first, do you believe in Christ? Is that where you go for all things, for life itself? Do you believe the promises that He has given in the Bible as we've been looking at some of the promises these past weeks? Do you, do you believe these promises that they, are, that they are sure and certain? And then there will also be fruits. When you believe in Christ, there will be fruits. The fruits that you love God. Fruits that you hate sin. Fruits that you, you flee to Christ every time you see you have sin. That, that you turn to Him for refuge, that you go to Him for forgiveness time and again, knowing you can't forgive yourselves. There's the fruits of hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Do you long to live a holy life before God? Do you want to live a life, a life to God's glory? John also says, do you love God's people? Do you find this fruit in your life? And then there's all the fruits of the Spirit that are listed, that love, the joy, the peace that come from God. And often if we search ourselves, it's so hard to find these kind of fruits. But fruit doesn't grow just by looking at ourselves. But every time we look at ourselves and see our shortcomings, we need to look to Christ. That's what faith does. It it always returns to Christ. It always looks to Him. And it's life in Him, but it's looking to Him that these, these fruits will begin to grow. And it's looking on your past life where you see where the Lord has given that grace, where He has given these fruits. And so we must be grafted into Christ by faith. But then lastly, we see the benefits by true faith. Just like the branches that are grafted into the tree receive that life-giving sap. The sap flows from the tree into the branches. All believers receive Christ's benefits by that same faith. We receive it all from Christ. 
Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, but of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Christ merited all the blessings of salvation for His people by His life and death. And the moment you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, all these benefits begin to flow to you. Christ is the wisdom of God to save those who believe, not not relying on our own wisdom, but on the wisdom of God. And we see the benefit that Christ is the righteousness of God through faith in Christ to all and on all who believe, Romans 3 verse 22 says. Paul said there's no difference between Jew or Greek, be Jew or Gentile. We all need the same thing. We all need that one righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ to be justified before God. That righteousness of Christ is that covering whereby we can stand in the sight of God. And Romans 3 verse 26 says, that he might be just and a justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Not by our own works, not by anything that we can do, but a man is justified by faith, Romans 3.28 says. Then there's the benefit of the forgiveness of sins. Jesus always connected faith with the forgiveness of sins. If you read through the Gospels, you can see how he says, great is your faith. Your sins are forgiven you. When he says those kind of things. And Paul preached that in Acts 13. He said, let it be known unto you, brethren, that through this man, through Christ, is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And that by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you cannot be justified by the law of Moses. So there's a benefit of the forgiveness of sins. And then there's a benefit of sanctification that Christ gives, that that, that cleansing from our sins. See, it's one thing to be forgiven for our sin. It's also another to to see how Christ is washing us and cleansing us from the sin in our life, and to sanctify us, to, to make us holy. As 1 Corinthians 6 says, and such were some of you, but you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. Sanctified through faith in Christ. It is only through Him that He delivers us from the power and from the stain of sin, the presence of sin in our life. Our lives must be transformed to live to His glory. There's the benefit of the Holy Spirit that He gives. Peter said again in Acts 2, repent. Let everyone of you be baptized in the name of the Lord, of of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a benefit that Christ gives to all His people. At the moment of regeneration, that Spirit is given to indwell His people forever. And there's a benefit of eternal life. As John writes, whoever believes on Him should not perish, but have eternal life. And as Paul says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So these are some of the benefits that that you receive through Christ. And all the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit that comes, the love, the joy, the peace that that grows throughout your life. 
That's what's offered through the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what your soul longs for. And this is what a guilty soul needs. A soul that knows it needs to be delivered from the power of sin and from its misery. It's looking for this renewal. And this is what the gospel calls you to. And still today it says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. Let him who thirsts come. And whosoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. And it's only through faith that all this can be received. Because God says without faith it's impossible to please God. And so faith has been is, is the means that is ordained by God and we are commanded to believe. That's a command of the gospel. Repent and believe. And we cannot engraft ourselves into Christ. We cannot make ourselves good. But it is by faith that you are engrafted. And it is the Holy Spirit that even works that faith in our hearts because when, when you come to try, you realize that you can't even make your own faith. You can't even believe, and you, so, you struggle so often. And yet it's the Holy Spirit who comes at that moment when you hear His Word, and he, He's the one when He regenerates you. He also gives that repentance and faith so that you do believe, so that you are grafted into Christ. And then every benefit is, is, is received through that union between the branch and the vine. And the branch then receives all its life, time and eternity, from Him. And so if you are in Christ today, all these benefits flow to your soul in Christ. Like sap flowing from the vine into the branches, His benefits flow from Christ to you through that conduit of faith. But if you're not in Christ, then none of these benefits are yours. And so He says here to the Romans, he says, you stand by faith. You're in the church by faith. You're in Christ by faith. Just as he said in the, to the Ephesians, you are saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. It is in Him that you have life. And it is in Him that you can receive life today. If you do not know Him, He is still there calling all people to repentance and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you may receive eternal life and all the benefits He gives. You stand by faith, Paul says. It is by faith alone, and nothing in ourselves, but in Christ alone, that we have life with God. Amen. Let us pray.